Good morning, church. I wanted us to sing that song this morning, but I started feeling it about halfway through, and uh, man, powerful song. Let's take a moment to thank Christian and Annie and the team for leading us this morning. Some of my favorite favorite people in the world. Good morning. Good morning, everyone doing church at home. Uh, We streamed the last service to High Point Carterville. That was awesome. Good morning to everyone here at East Memphis. My name is Josh Mays. I'm one of the pastors here. I am a worship pastor here on the team. And uh, this morning, I have the privilege of wrapping up our series called Battle Ready. Everybody say, Battle Ready. Ready. We've been in Ephesians 6. If you want to go ahead and turn your Bibles to Ephesians 6, we've been studying uh, the armor of God for the last uh, several weeks. Um, This morning, I feel the need to start with um, some context and a preface. Some context and a preface. The context is this. Um, We have just announced that uh, after 12 years of me being here on staff as um, a worship pastor, um, we are going to be transitioning away from High Point, and uh, we're taking a new role in uh, the Jackson, Mississippi area, and I'm going to share more about that story in just a second. So, so the context is this. This is my second to last week here at High Point, and um, next week I will be leading worship again, um, but this week I have the privilege of preaching <laughs> uh, through uh, the end of Ephesians 6, and uh, which leads me to my preface. Here's my preface. Um, this morning I have been tasked with uh, wrapping up this series, which I am so grateful that Pastor Will has allowed me this opportunity. Pastor Will and his family are uh, on vacation in New Orleans, which I love. I hope he's eaten his share of beignets and crawfish po'boys. Um, I'm jealous a little bit, um, but he will be here next week as we begin a new series in the book of Joshua. And um, he has tasked me with finishing this series, Battle Ready, but also I have the privilege of sharing uh, my testimony this morning, sharing some of my story. So if you would, would you show me a little bit of grace um, as I try to kind of walk the tightrope of honoring this passage, of really us being in the Word of God today, but also sharing my testimony. Does that make sense? Like, I'm trying to do both, and I'm trying to steward both really well. I don't want to shortchange either of them. Here's the good news. Revelation 12 says that they, meaning the believers, overcame him, meaning the enemy, by the blood of the Lamb, meaning Jesus, and the Word, the power of the testimony. Testimonies are a good thing. They're encouraging to share with one another. Honestly, if we made the decision here at High Point to have testimonies once a month, that would be a fine thing. But today, I want to try to do both, be in the Word of God and share some testimony. Is that cool? Are you ready? Strap in, ready, rock and roll, locked and loaded. All right, here we go. Let's stand together. Ephesians 6, we're going to stand out of reverence for the Word of God. If you're watching online, doing church at home, I would invite you to stand. I dare you, wherever you are. Um, By the way, can we just give a shout out to everyone doing Memorial Day at the lake, at the beach? We're jealous. We love you guys. Uh, Man, I wish I, that'd be something. That'd be something if I was preaching from the beach this morning. We are in Ephesians 6, 10 verses, 10 through 20. Follow along. The armor of God. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. So you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, 
and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor, everybody say full armor, of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted uh, with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit. Everybody say pray. Pray Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. Everybody say be alert. And always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me. Uh, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Let's pray together. That's my prayer, Lord, this morning, is that I would proclaim the mystery of the gospel fearlessly as I should. That these would not be my words, but these would be your words. You would speak through me. God, we open up our eyes to see We open up our ears to hear. Speak now. Do whatever you want to do in this place. We we, we love you, Lord. Thank you for the cross. We worship you now. Speak through your word. And all God's people said, amen. You guys can be seated. Pastor Will, Drew, Parker, done an incredible job of breaking down this passage. The belt of truth, the the lagos that, that goes around our waist, holding the sword of the Spirit, the the rhema, we've talked about that, the breastplate of righteousness that He puts on us, not because we are righteous, amen, but because He is righteous, the gospel shoes that allow us to be bold and brave in any terrain, fearlessly making known, taking the gospel to the ends of the earth, the shield of faith that we get to hold up as the enemy undoubtedly aims flaming arrows at our heart and our minds. The enemy seeks to steal, to kill, and destroy. The helmet of salvation that he puts on us, that is no doubt an assurance of salvation, but also it becomes the filter that we see the world, this gospel filter in light of the cross. We walk with the helmet of salvation, knowing we have been saved by the blood of Jesus. Amen? Sword of the Spirit. They have done a fantastic, a phenomenal job of walking through the individual pieces of, of body armor. Paul is using battle language. This is gruesome stuff. This is bloody stuff. This is warfare stuff. But Paul explains in this passage that we're not talking about physical warfare, flesh and blood. Nod your head if you're with me. We're talking about a spiritual fight that we are in. A fight in the, with the cosmic powers that some translations say, the spiritual realm. And today, I have the privilege of examining how Paul ends this passage, and I love it. I'm so excited about it. I I think it's going to be uh, just an incredible way to tie a bow around uh, this concept, 
this illustration, this allegory of, of the armor of God that we get to wear as believers. If you're in this room, if you're watching online, wherever you are, if you can hear my voice, there are three types of people, okay, in this room. There are three types of people. There are people who have not yet placed their faith in Jesus Christ. You have not stepped from death into life. You have not confessed your sins and asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. You have not yet asked his cleansing blood to wash your crimson stain white as snow. And honestly, for today's sake, you're going to be sitting here. If you're not yet a believer in Jesus Christ, this is your stool. And today, because we're having, uh, we're using battle language, today, you are a civilian. You're not a soldier because you don't have the armor of God. So if you haven't placed your faith in Jesus, you are a civilian. You're not battle ready. You're wearing flip-flops and board shorts, uh, looking like K-Fed up in here with a tank top. You're not battle ready. You're a civilian. And here's the bad news this morning, unfortunately. I am here to tell you, it's my responsibility to tell you, that hell is a real place. Earth can be hell sometimes, too. But there is an eternal hell. I have done enough premarital counseling. I've done enough counseling. I have enough friends who aren't believers that I walk away from so many interactions with people who are not believers in Jesus. And I go, how do they do it? Why in the world would you want to live this life without Jesus, without the Holy Spirit? Is anyone with me? Life is hard enough to live. Why would you want to live apart from Christ? Here's the problem. This person, this civilian, they are in a battle whether they know it or not, and they are getting eaten alive. You're getting torn up. You're a sitting duck. Life is hard. Many of you have prodigal sons and daughters, friends and family, and you have a burden for them, wanting them to step into life in Christ, wanting them to receive the Holy Spirit and receive the armor of God to walk through this life with. It's hard. But I have good news for you today. If you are a civilian, I'm going to give you an opportunity to become a soldier today. I'm going to invite you to have faith in Jesus, and we're going to do that in just a little bit. Here's the second type of person, civilian. Then, more battle language, we have the soldier asleep. The soldier asleep. You have placed your faith in Jesus. You've received the armor of God. You're walking through life, but you're walking through life sleepy. Anyone ever seen a war movie? Guess when so many people charge and attack the enemy? In the middle of the night. You ever seen that, the war movie where they swing in the Navy SEALs at 3, 4 a.m.? Why do they do that? Because they want the enemy to be unaware. They want them to be sleepy. They've got the armor on, but they've kind of got their gospel shoes like unlaced, and they're kind of kicked back. The, sword, the sword's kind of, you know, in the sheath, and the shield's leaning up against the wall, and they're kind of just snoozing. They're kind of just dazed. They're soldiers 
asleep. Soldiers asleep. I wrote this this week. Hopefully this helps. I don't think that most soldiers are in, that, that are in sound of my voice are, are in extreme rebellion and opposition against Jesus. But I do think this. I think the soldier asleep is not typically insubordinate in outright rebellion, right? No, the sleepy soldier simply has their feet propped up in a passive disagreement. One often agrees with the ideas, concepts, and principles, but chooses to live otherwise in a private, quiet, and non-aggressive way. Is anyone with me? You're, you've got the armor, and you agree with God. You're grateful for the armor, but let me tell you when you primarily use the armor is when the enemy attacks. You're using the armor defensively. Oh, 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 things are going bad at work. Oh, things are weird at school. Oh, things are bad at home. Thank God I've got this shield of faith. Oh, I better find my sword. Right? And you're using the armor defensively. But, but you're not alert. You're asleep. Then, the third type of soldier, third person here, is the soldier alert. The soldier's alert. In the passage, Paul says, be alert. And I think this is just like the greatest illustration ever right here. Because not only are they alert, but they've got comms. They're ready. They're listening. They're waking up in the morning going, I'm reporting for duty. Where are we going? They're looking around the corner saying, what's my assignment? What do you have for me? They're, they're, they're calling God on the radio, right? Prayer. And they're saying, I don't know what I'm about to face, but I need you. Here's what's beautiful about the soldiers alert. They know they're fighting the battle, but they have direct communication with the commander in chief who's already won the war. So there's the civilian, completely not ready for this. There's the soldier asleep. There's the soldier alert. They're waking up every day saying, man, get me on the horn. I got to talk to the Holy Spirit. Paul says uh, right here, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, what? Be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Comes. Comes, ladies and gentlemen. It's like the missing piece of the armor of God. Comes. The means for exercising command by the transmission of information, orders, and instructions from commanders to their subordinates. Military communication has played a vital role in successful warfare for thousands of years. Can I paint a picture for you? All these soldiers right here, there's kind of soldiers asleep. They, they wake up. They put their armor of God on, and the sun is rising, and there's 10,000 soldiers, and they're on the hill, but they all forgot their walkie-talkies. <laughs> they have no idea where the enemy is coming from. They have no idea how the enemy is going to attack. They don't know whether to flank right, to flank left, to fall back, to charge. They don't know. Shame on us for when we don't pick up the radio and call into the commander-in-chief and say, 
What do I need to know? What's, what is today? I got, hey, I'm going into a meeting today at 2 o'clock. I am feeling really insecure about it, and I know that my identity is found in you, but I'm really struggling with that right now because I really care what these people think. What do I need to know? Or the dad on the way home calling in. All right, today's been a really hard day at work, but I know I need to turn it on. I know I need to be a good father. I know I need to, to be a good husband. What does that look like for me? I'm, I'm asking you right now, commander in chief. Is this making sense? It's like the missing piece of the armor of God comes. Because, man, can you imagine this? army of 10,000 showing up, waking up, putting on the armor of God. They're on the hill. The sun rises. They turn around. They say, commander-in-chief, where are we going? What's the plan? He says, boom, boom, boom. Do this. You got it taken care of. I've already won the war. Amen? Why would we not tap in to prayer, tap into the one who is in control, the one who is sovereign over all of us and over everything? Here's the problem this morning. Here's the reality. I don't know what percentage of the room is in this stool. I don't know what percentage of the room is in this stool, but I'm guessing that 80% of us, if it's like the 80-20 rule, 80% of the people who can hear my voice are probably soldiers asleep. And it's not some rebellious, angry thing. It's just you think you can kind of be in control of your life, don't you? And Germantown is a great little neighborhood to live in. <laughs> and things are going well. But you're not waking up getting on the horn with the commander-in-chief saying, I don't want to waste my life. The enemy is attacking me, whether I know it or not. Give me wisdom. Tell me what moves to make. Paul says, pray in all occasions. And then he ends the passage by saying, pray for me as I go on to my next assignment. Pray for me as I am an ambassador for Christ in chains. Pray for me. And I guess this is the part of uh, the morning where I ask you to pray for me and I tell you my story. I wanted to start the story with my grandparents. My granddad was a World War II hero, um, flew 39 missions over Nazi Germany and beyond, was stationed in Newfoundland, Canada, and got sick and tired of the cold. So he asked for a transfer to either Florida or California. And thank God the Air Force put him in Columbus, Mississippi. So <laughs> that's where I ended up growing up. <laughs> Well, we, we don't have time for that story. I wanted to start the story where um, my mom auditioned for my dad's band in the 70s, and he didn't need another soprano, but he thought she was hot, and she was, and she is, and um, they got a bus. They were given a bus, and they went all around the country proclaiming the gospel and leading people in worship back in the 70s. I, we don't have time for that story. Um, I wanted to start the story with maybe when I... Um, learned how to play guitar and started my first band. I was in Latin class and we named our band, me and the drummer, and I designed a t-shirt and I went around school as a sophomore in high school and I sold over a hundred t-shirts for over, for ten dollars a piece. Um, and we had never played a gig. I was like, oh my gosh, we have to get a bass player and uh, we have to do this thing because we have a following now. 
started a bit, but we're not going start, to start there. I want to start, uh, rewind, to about 13 years ago. I was at Mississippi College down in Clinton, Mississippi, and I was leading worship a lot. I was le- literally, this is no joke, I was leading worship Tuesday mornings, Tuesday nights, Wednesday nights, Thursday mornings, Thursday nights, twice on Sunday, and I was traveling on the weekends leading worship. I was what I call uh, Psalm 37-ing myself, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. I thought that meant delight yourself in the Lord and he'll make you like the next Paul McCartney because that's what I wanted to be. But what that actually means, it appears, is that if you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you like from the back, he'll like place new desires. He will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. And suddenly I cared less about rock and roll and I cared more about the glory of God people. Suddenly I wanted to be a pastor and write songs about Jesus and lead people in worship. And I was. I was leading worship a lot. And there was a church in the Jackson area called Pine Lake. They were actually starting a Clinton campus where I was in school. And um, I thought, man, that could be cool. Maybe I could be like the worship leader at the Pine Lake Clinton campus. But no no traction really came of that. And I did a weekend with this guy called Moses Caesar. Maybe some of you know Moses. He's a wonderful Indian man, author, and speaker. And uh, he was uh, someone's reference on their resume. Let's call him Jimmy. And Jimmy was applying to be the worship leader at High Point. And they called Moses. And they were like, yo, what do you think about Jimmy for being the worship leader at High Point? And Moses totally threw him under the bus. was like, Jimmy for High Point? I don't think so, man. But... I did this weekend just now with this kid named Josh Mays. I think you should give him a call. So they called me, and I was 21 years old, and I came up three hours, and I interviewed and auditioned. I led worship right here in this room. Uh, The room was very, very different back then. It was Briarcrest Christian School. We were loading in, loading out. I think at that time, like the Titanic was on the stage because they were doing a play in here, leading worship. (laughs) It was hilarious. Or or Les Mis or something. And uh, man, for the past over 12 years, this has been one of the most incredible joys and privileges of my life. I grew up here. This has been my adult life, my 20s. I love this city. I love you. I love these people. I have seen hundreds of baptisms on this stage. Seen life change. Probably seen thousands of people trust Christ. I've seen weddings, funerals. In 2017, we really cranked it up and we decided to do this thing called High Point Worship. Many of you don't know this, but like High Point Worship songs have been streamed like 2 million times in 66 different countries. Songs that were birthed in this house right here. God has breathed on them and taken them, taken them all over the world. We've made friends that have become family. And it has been incredible. There were a lot of highs. 2014 was a really low low for me, for my wife. There was medical stuff, financial stuff. 2018 was a really tough year for us corporately as a church. But all throughout it, I just heard stay faithful, do the next right thing, stay the course. I love this town, I love these people, I love you. So I tried to, I tried to stay faithful. 
I had the privilege of the pastor search team introducing us as the, the staff to Will Franco and seeing him installed as the lead pastor. I had the privilege of helping him develop the new mission, vision, and values. He came on the team and he said, dude, I was told that I would have a sabbatical after seven years and you've been here about 11 years and you've never had one. You've been through some gnarly stuff. Do you think you would like to have a sabbat- take a sabbatical? I said, yes, that sounds great, actually. <laughs> sounds, I wanna, let's, let me think about that. Yes, let's figure that out. And then next, guess what happened next? COVID. So it got backburnered. We were leading worship here on the stage when we were streaming out the services, and no, we weren't gathered yet, so we were, we were here on the stage. And after one of the mornings, I went up to Pastor Will. I said, dude, I think I need to do this. I had lunch with my friend David Lewis at uh, Living Hope. He's the worship pastor at Living Hope, a great church down the road. And he had a sabbatical the year before. He said, here's the deal about a sabbatical. It's the same word as Sabbath. The word is Shabbat. And the farmer looks at the field and he says, I can't rest because I have to pl- plow. I have to reap, I have to sow, I have to eat, I have to harvest, I have to put food on the table so I can't take a day off. But what does God say? Actually, you have to trust and you have to obey. So the farmer takes a day off and and trusts. And it was like the Holy Spirit hit me in the throat during that lunch. And I went up to Pastor Will. I said, I got to do this. I got to take this battle. When do you want me to do it? He said, I'm so sorry. It got back burner because of COVID. I totally agree. When do you want to do it? Boom, these six weeks. And a part of the six weeks, I was able to do some counseling. Let me say this. I said this last service. First of all, every single one of you, broken and screwed up, whether you know it or not. Second of all, you don't have to have like crazy drama and crisis in your life to go see a counselor. Counseling is really, really good and healthy. And I, amen? And and so I was going to see this gentleman, a phenomenal man uh, here in town. And a part of my counseling in preparation for the sabbatical, I took a test. It's called a Milan test. It's like million without the second I, Milan. It was uh, 150, 200 questions, true or false. So you sit down and you just answer them as, as, as truthfully as you can. Only a licensed physical, not physical, a licensed trained therapist uh, can administer the results. So my wife and I, we sat down to hear the results of the Milan test. And he was very great. He was, he was very cool. He said, Josh, I'm not going to label you as this, but you definitely have like narcissistic tendencies. I'm like, oh my, okay, oh yeah, okay, what does that mean, you know? He's like, here's the deal, most people think narcissism stems out of ego and pride, but it really stems out of insecurity, and so you don't really like the way you see yourself, so you hold up a shiny object for people, you write a narrative, a story for people to to read, to, to hear, hey, look at this. This is what I want you to see because you really don't like the way you see yourself. So you don't want other people to see yourself that way. You honestly, he told me, you have like a self-love, a self-respect problem. I'm like, have you met me? I love myself. Are you kidding me? You know, no, you do. And I did. Here's the analogy for you, okay? If you were coming over for dinner, I would love to have the front yard 
mode, right? And the kitchen clean and uh, everything in its place in the living room, the bathroom nice and clean. I would light a candle, maybe put on a little Beach Boys as everybody's coming in. Hey, a little sausage and cheese plate. Like I would want everything like in its right place feeling good. But that back guest room, let's just keep that door closed because it's full of crap. Like just laundry and it's mess. I think there's a dog in there, literally. Like, let's just keep that door. And any self-respecting house guest knows to not just go around opening doors, right? You don't just go looking in other, in, in people's guest rooms when the door is closed. And yes, maybe I would possibly do that if you were coming over for dinner, but that's a picture, follow me, that's a picture of my heart. Ooh, I want you to see everything that's like cleaned up and f- looking good and feeling good. But that stuff, that, that back room over there, let's not talk about, I don't want you to see that stuff. So how do you then apply self-love, self-respect to that room? We're having a little counseling, mini counseling session today. This is good. How do you apply self-love, respect to that room? Well, you can wake up 30 minutes earlier, two days this week and work on, you can work on the room. Or, watch this, for people you really love and respect, when they come over, you can just leave the door open. You can open up the door to your heart. You can say, hey, I got all this stuff clean, all this is looking good, feeling good, praise Jesus. This room, I'm still a piece of work. Are you with me? Be honest. You can love yourself. You can, you can, that is where the gospel is needed, in your mess. That's why the gospel matters is because for us to raise our hand and say, I am an imperfect person, and I need a perfect Savior. Amen? So through the sabbatical, I not only realized that, but (laughs) I also realized that through my 20s, being hired in this role at 21 and like so many years, like up and to the right and thriving ministry, man, I really found my identity in my work. I found my identity in being the worship pastor at High Point Church. I am so grateful to Pastor Will for not only providing me the opportunity to do some of this work in my early 30s instead of later on in life or never, but also he's been so faithful and he will continue to preach that it's about gospel identity. Whatever you do, that's not who you are. Who you are is a child of God, a son of God, a daughter of God, amen? And in light of the gospel, I can take my career, what I do, and I can say, oh, I am not the worship. I laid down my title on the altar. And what, what happens on the altar, friends and family? Things die. Things get burnt up. And so suddenly, I'm leaving sabbatical. I've wrestled with this self-love, self-respect. I've laid down my identity as, like, the worship pastor at High Point. I mean, I've, I, I, more months than not, more years than not, over the decade plus of me being the worship pastor, I really found my identity in my job. And I would think, man, I'm doing ministry. I'm a pastor. This is good. This, I should find my identity in this, but really, it's really unhealthy. You hear me? It's really unhealthy. So I laid all that down. And honestly, coming out of sabbatical, Stacy and I, my wonderful, beautiful, incredible wife, we were like the bestest of friends, maybe the healthiest we've ever been. And then guess what happens? We're pregnant. After years of infertility, dealing with the, in the battle of not being able to get pregnant, there was nothing 
supposedly medically wrong with us, but all of a sudden we're in like the healthiest spot ever, and God's like, yeah, well, now you're ready to raise a kid. (laughs) And we got pregnant, and we have a miracle, beautiful little baby named James. And suddenly, I'm in a new season. I'm a father. And with new seasons come new perspective and new priorities. Are you with me? So Stacy and I are in the living room at our house. She says, Josh, I kind of wish there was a church in Mississippi that made sense for you, that made sense for us. And I look at her kind of sideways, like, really? She's like, yeah. They kind of go down the list of like 5, 10, 15, 20 friends. And so many of our friends have family here in town. All of our family is down in Mississippi. I'm in a new season, so I get in the car, and what do I do? Get on comms. I pray. Lord, I'm in a new season. What would you have me do here? I love High Point. I love Memphis. I love these people. I do not want to leave. This would be really hard. This would be gut-wrenching. This would be sad. I don't think I can do that. What would you have me do here? I took a step of faith. I made one phone call. Called my buddy Jason. I told him we were pregnant. He freaked out. He was so excited. He knew our story. And then I told him what Stacy said. And he was so gracious. He freaked out. He was like, dude, what do you want to do? We should create a position for you. So kind. I said, stop it, dude. Stop it. What's open? What's available? He told me like four or five, six things that his church uh, had open. Let's face it, I don't need to be the preschool director anywhere, right? Like, I have a specific skill set, like, I know I need to stay in my lane, right? So, like, he tells me that, I'm like, ah, okay, man. Well, dude, keep your ear to the ground. We'll talk soon. God bless. So, the next day, I told Stacy I'd prayed about it. I called my buddy Jason Smith. She said, you did what? I'm hormonal. You can't trust me. There's nothing for us in Mississippi. Like, come on, you're so crazy. Good, great. And we honestly, we just, we just laid low. We just, we just hung out on it for five, six months. And Jason called me back. And he said, dude, our campus worship pastor at Pine Lake Madison is transitioning out after four and a half years. Is this something you would be interested in having a conversation about? I said, yeah, well, it doesn't hurt to have a conversation. Here's what I want you to know. I made one phone call, stepped out in faith. Six months later, he called me back. And and just to give you, just let's level set about some things here. There's like two and a half churches in Mississippi that I could even work at, okay? That would even make sense for me. Pine Lake is one of them. And in the state of Mississippi, it doesn't help us to live in Tupelo or Hattiesburg or Oxford. We might as well live in Memphis. Our family isn't there. But it's the state, the church, the campus, the role with the campus pastor that would make, it was just the entire package. Like, good grief, Lord, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? So we go on a baby moon, and guess what we do? Comms. Go down to the beach, long walks on the beach with the strong intention and purpose of listening to the Lord, of having communication with the Lord. By the way, prayer is not a one-way street. Prayer is a two-way street. 
one really long walk on the beach with Stacy. We're praying, we're talking. And I decide, okay, I think it's time. I'm gonna tell him we're ready for the next part of the conversation. We come back from the baby moon on a Saturday night and I look at my watch, I'm like, wait, I have to go to Madison in the morning to get my dog from my parents' house. I could swing by Pine Lake and sneak in the back and just see what the Lord's doing there. So I did. <laughs> the town where I grew up. I was wearing a black hoodie, a black hat, and a mask. And people were like, Josh, is that you? You know, like, oh my goodness, this is a small town. But I sat in the back, and guys, I had an encounter with the Lord. I wept. I saw immediately how I could snap into a place like this and lead worship and serve this community. I texted my wife. I said, Stacy, this is an incredible place to raise a family. And guys, I had a vision. I had a picture. <laughs> I had a vision of James, our son, running out of his Sunday school class in the hallway, running up to his grandparents in the hallway. And then we all go to Chili's. It's heaven on earth. So I had the conversation. The more and more I discovered, I, I looked into it, I discovered that this would be an incredible fit for us to go back to Mississippi to be in the same town as our community. Lord willing, it looks like if we move things around, do this, Stacy will be able to stay home with James and raise him. I'll be able to provide for them and, and love them in and around our family. But I've got to tell you this. Walking away, transitioning out of this season will be, is, has been one of the hardest things we've ever had to do. We've had to realize that um, say, we're saying, not goodbye, but see you later to friends that feel like family. And I, I've said it, um, I said it in the first service, no matter how, uh, how much we love Darren and Michelle, they're uh, technically not James's grandparents, right? And we are going to be able to provide James to be in his grandparents' life. Isn't that awesome? And his grandparents, the gift of seeing him uh, play t-ball or whatever it is. So, with all that being said, I, like Paul at the end of Ephesians 6, want to say pray for us. Please pray for us as we go on to our next assignment. And I'm going to be praying for you. I'm going to be your absolute biggest cheerleader, biggest fan from Mississippi. I want you to know this. I love High Point Church. I'm not running away from nothing. I'm running to something. I, as a man, as a soldier, I'm trying to be an alert soldier. I'm trying to get on the horn and say, God, what, is, what do you have for me? What's my next assignment? And family, I'm just trying to trust and obey. Discerning the will of God is not an exact science, but let me tell you, we are at peace. We are really sad, but we're really excited about what God has. Because here's the deal. This season has been absolutely incredible. Hasn't it? Incredible. What a season. And I've got to tell you, church, family, if you can hear me say one last thing, I'm begging you. I'm begging you. Don't waste your life. Be on fire for Jesus. Be an alert soldier. Don't waste your life. Live for the glory of God. Wake up, sleepy soldiers, and give glory to God. 
Because here's the reality. This has been a good season. But if we zoom out, if we zoom way out, high, high point, one day this building will cease to exist. You and I will be long gone. If we zoom way, way out, get some real perspective, some real priorities, church family, there have only been two seasons. B.C., before Christ, and A.D., the year of our Lord, Anno Domini. Thank God that we get to live on this side of the cross. Amen? That we get to know the goodness, the mystery, the richness of the gospel. And in light of the gospel, we get to make decisions. This little 12-year decision, this little move three hours away, it's nothing. All this is temporary. But Jesus is king. He's on his throne. He's everlasting. He's the alpha. He's the omega. He's eternal. We are here to serve him. Don't waste your life. Are you with me? Do not waste your life. Live on purpose. Be intentional. Life is too short. Make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Preach the gospel. Be fearless like Paul talks about in Ephesians 6. And pray for us as we go on to our next assignment to be fearless as well in proclaiming the mystery of the gospel. Amen? Let's stand together. Here's what I'm going to invite you to do. If today you need to transition from civilian to being a soldier for God, if you need to ask the Lord Jesus to forgive you of your sin, if you need to place your faith in him, I'm going to invite every single person in this house, let's close our eyes, bow our heads. You can even open up your hands by your side if you want. This can just be a moment of surrender. If you want to place your faith in Jesus, I cannot pray this prayer for you. You have to pray it yourself. But just pray something like, I confess Jesus, that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. Would you forgive me of my sin? Would you forgive me for being asleep? I confess with my mouth, I believe in my heart that you are Lord, that you are who you said you were, that you have risen from the grave, that you are a king, that you have defeated death, that you are alive, and God, would you defeat my death? Would you give me life? I want to step from being a civilian to, to being a soldier. Clothe me with the armor of God, fill me with the Holy Spirit. And then for a lot of us right now, in this room, it is time for you to step from being a soldier asleep to a soldier alert, a soldier awake. Would you offer your life to Jesus and say, Father, forgive me for doing things my own way. Forgive me for thinking I was the commander in chief. Forgive me for thinking I was in charge. I want to live for your glory. Just tell him. I want to live for you. Tell him, here I am. Use me. Here I am. Send me. It's a good prayer to pray, but it's a dangerous one. Soldiers do some scary stuff. So ask for courage that we too, like Paul, would be fearless in declaring the gospel, fearless in our missions fearless in our assignments that we would be intentional and alert in Jesus name we pray and all God's people said 
if there are people in this place that just stepped from death to life, can we welcome them to the family of God this morning? It's the greatest decision you could ever make. We're about to sing a song called Yes and Amen. I want you to know this, that he is faithful. And though no matter what you're walking through in life, you can look to him and he is truth, he is good, he is sovereign, he is over, reigning over the storm, amen? Come on, let's believe this as we sing it together. Let's worship in spirit and truth. We love you guys so much.